0: Well, even as I talk, my voice isn't going to be that good. So um, you have to go from that to this voice, which is an interesting transition, right? For sure. Um, doesn't it just blow your mind that some people have the ability to make that pretty of noise come from their mouth? You're like, that's not possible in so many realms. Um, so years back, uh, not a super long time, but I remember a couple of years back, I was working at our shop and I was listening to some music as I was doing some machine processes and I still am kind of an old soul uh, in some scenarios. Like, I still listen to Frank Sinatra and old crooner music on a regular basis. Does anybody else still listen to really old music? Okay, yeah. Like, I still do that on a regular basis, so I'll be listening to it. And um, Ethan, one of the guys who works at our shop, one of my buddies, actually, I think he was the one who just set the table for me, wasn't he? Um, Yes. Uh, He ended up walking by, and as he walked by, he was kind of hearing it in the background. He says, are you listening to Christmas music? And at first I was like, no, I'm not listening to Christmas. She's like, it was nowhere near Christmas. And I thought, what is he talking about? Um, But then it struck me, and I understood why he thought that, as he just kind of heard it in passing as he went through the shop, because nowadays, we listen to music for, like, a split second, don't we? Like, the churn of music is constant. Like, the songs that we're listening to on the radio now, they will disappear, and in a few more months, we won't hear them ever again, except we go to, like, a different station listen to them, because they just play, like, the top 40 songs right now, and they just keep turning and turning and turning, and there's always new music that's coming, and a lot of music that we listen to today or that we love for this year, we won't even think about in another couple years. But Christmas music is interesting because every year we listen consistently to music that is 50, 60, 70 years old. And we listen to it like it's normal at Christmas time, but it it does sound so different. So when he walked by, he's like, are you listening to Christmas music? Because that's normally all that people listen to from that generation is Christmas music that still sticks around. In fact, what's amazing about Christmas music is you write a good Christmas song, it could be here 100 years from now that people will still be listening to it around Christmas. There's kind of that interesting thing where that music stays and continues on. Now, there's usually kind of two different camps in regards to Christmas music. There are some of you, that you are the christmas music lovers you love when the season comes around because you get to take and you get to start playing christmas music in your car in your house and it's christmas music nonstop all the time for the christmas season how many of you are the christmas music lovers can i get some hands all right awesome yes there's some passion there right like i put on the christmas music and that's what we're listening to then there are the other people and you people, you're like, I am tired of listening to Christmas music. It surrounds me everywhere I go. I just want to listen to my normal music that I listen to. And I'm just, I'm, I'm annoyed by all the concerts everywhere I go, in the store, in the car. It's all Christmas all the time. I'm, I'm not really into it. How many of you are the, I'm not a Grinch, but I'm not really into all the Christmas music people. Okay, absolutely. <laughs> I love it. There's, there's a war breaking out in the crowd. Well, whether you are the Christmas music lover or the person who's like, ah, I can kind of take it or leave it, today's message kind of coming off of Christmas music, um, it'll be important for you. For some of you, as I said before, today's message is actually the most important message that you'll hear this Christmas. It's specifically something that you need to hear today. For some of the rest of you, this is something that's going to set you up for future, future success um, for Christmas that's coming soon. Um, Before we jump forward, let me jump back for just one second just to get you caught up. So this whole series, The Most Wonderful Time of the Year, deals with the idea that we really do, as a culture, we take this entire time of the year to focus in on Christmas. And there's kind of this whole different vibe to everything we do. And we really do believe it's the most wonderful time of the year. So we decided let's do that for us as a church as well. Let's take the whole month and talk all about Christmas as we go through it. In week one, we talked about the spirit of Christmas, kind of that feeling that's in the air at this time, right? There just seems to be something different. And we talked about how the spirit of Christmas, I believe, is really the whisper of God. It's kind of like us hearing the little whisper of what God's plan really would be for humanity. And maybe we can catch it and it invites us into something deeper. Last week we talked about the decorations. Specifically, we talked about mistletoe and how us as believers, we are meant to be living mistletoe. That everywhere we go, we should bring peace and we should bring love with us. That we should be like the representation of mistletoe everywhere that we go as Christians. Next week, of course, we are wrapping up by looking at the movie Elf. But today, we're going to look at that Christmas music. Specifically, we're going to look at that beautiful song you just heard a second ago, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Now, this song... It falls into that category, as I said, of an old song that we continue to listen to, even though it's been a long time. In fact, that song was written for a movie in 1944. Isn't that crazy to think about? That's over 70 years ago, and we're still listening to that song on a regular basis. It was written by a guy named Hugh Martin, who at the time was kind of an iconic songwriter, and it was written for this movie, Meet Me in St. Louis, that starred Judy Garland, which, of course, she was like a huge star at the time. And the whole movie circles around this family that lives in St. Louis, but their dad ends up getting a new job in New York, and he tells the family right at Christmas time we're going to be moving to New York. Everything that you kind of know here, we're going to have to pack everything up after Christmas, and we're going to be leaving. And of course, the kids are heartbroken. They have relationships there. They have family there. They have friends there. And they just are, are, are kind of just distraught by the idea that they're going to be moving to this big city and leaving everything they know. So they're coming into Christmas, and although it should be the happiest time of the year, the merriest time of the year, That's not how any of them feel. And in fact, Judy sings this song to her little sister when her sister is kind of like inconsolable, sad about leaving. She sings her this song, Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, to try to kind of raise her spirits. Um, Although this time of the year is the most wonderful time of the year, there's kind of a problem that can happen around this time of the year. It can be the most wonderful time of the year, unless it isn't, right? Unless it isn't. Very often, when it comes to this most wonderful time of the year, some of us will come into a situation or will come into a feeling that when we get to Christmas that everyone else seems to be getting happier and happier and happier, and we feel the opposite. All of a sudden, sadness can kind of come across our face. Sadness can come across Our mind. And we can kind of feel odd in that moment because, to be honest with you, when we feel sad and everyone else is just kind of at the level, we don't really seem like we're that far off pace, right? But when we get sad and then everyone else seems to get happier, all of a sudden we feel like we're miles out of normal. And we wonder, is there something wrong with us this Christmas that when I come to this Christmas, I don't feel happy or merry? Actually, right now is what I kind of feel is down. I kind of feel sad, in fact. That's what this entire movie and that's what this entire song really deals about. Here's what I think, okay? I think it's okay to feel sad at Christmas. I think it's okay. In fact, I think it's normal. I think for all of us, there will be a year in which we will come to Christmas, and we won't naturally feel merry instead. We might actually feel glum. We might actually feel down as we come into the season. And this entire song actually deals with that entire situation of what it feels like to come into a Christmas and to not be merry. Or actually, what I should say is this. This song used to deal with all those subjects. You see, the interesting thing about that song that you just heard a few minutes ago is actually the lyrics you heard aren't the original lyrics of that song. The song was actually written with different lyrics, and it was changed a few times in order to make it a little more Christmas-friendly, a little more merry, a little more jolly. In fact, the song starts, and most of us know the iconic start of this song. Uh, Mallard did an amazing job singing it. It says, Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. And It's kind of this idea of, we should be merry. Because, you know, the troubles, they're going to pass and they're going to leave us behind. But do you know what the actual original lyrics for this line was? It was this. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. It may be our last. Next year, we may all be living in the past. That's a little bit darker, isn't it? In fact, Judy Garland practiced that version of the song, and she went back to Hugh Martin and told him, I cannot sing that song to a little girl, people are going to think I'm a monster, right? They're going to come to this scene, and they're like, oh, she's going to encourage her younger sister, and she's going to be like, well, have yourself a Merry Christmas, this might be your last little girl, right? And it's like, <laughs> that's terrifying, right? Right? Um, But, so, Hugh actually didn't want to change the lyrics, but he eventually actually, he caved and he changed the lyrics to match something more jolly, something a little bit more happy that Judy wanted. But what's interesting is his original lyric deals with exactly one of the reasons why I think, why we come into Christmas and all of a sudden we might not feel merry, instead we might feel sad. That idea that we might be living in the past. This is next year, we could all be living in the past, one of the big reasons why I think people will come into Christmas and all of a sudden they won't feel happy, instead they might feel sad, is because Christmas has this weird ability. I don't know if you ever thought about it this way, but since we celebrate it every year the kind of the same way with a lot of tradition, we have this ability to kind of look at our holiday tradition and it's almost like we can see through that a bunch of like open windows to all the years previously like almost as we look at our tradition we see last year and the year before and the year before and 20 years ago and we just kind of see down through the line all those things that are there and what can happen as we kind of experience that is all of a sudden we can become sad for things that were but are no more things that used to be but aren't anymore And that's what that deals with, right? The idea that he said, well, have a Merry Christmas because it might be our, our last. No one ever thinks about the idea that some things in our life will be the last. That it was the last time we did something. The last time that happened. And then it won't ever happen again in the future. I think a lot of people can come to Christmas and I think it's natural that we can walk into a Christmas and all of a sudden we don't feel merry. Instead we feel sad because we look at the situation that's around us and there's something or there's someone missing, right? Somebody who used to be with us in years past, but now they've left this world, and they're no longer there for Christmas. Maybe a relationship or a friendship that used to be so important to us, and then all of a sudden we get to Christmas and we realize that's not here anymore. Or, you know, one of the simple ones that almost everyone has to deal with is it can even just be that you come to Christmas and the kids, they aren't the kids anymore. They're gone. They're grown up. And there can be just kind of this feeling of sadness that you think, is something wrong with me because you look at what was and then is no more and it can just kind of make you feel sad and your heart kind of heavy. And I think it's natural that the idea of what he said in his original lyrics is true. Someday we'll all be living in the past, that the years will pass by and we only really ever have the year that we're currently in, that season, that we're in that year. Now years later, after the song had been sung, Another person came along to sing this song. And really, for most of us, that's actually the most famous one that we know. It was sung by Frank Sinatra. And of course, Sinatra was huge. Uh, He still is huge, to be honest with you. People still stream his music constantly. But in 1957, he released an album called A Jolly Christmas. And when he released it, he practiced this song. And he ended up contacting Hugh because he didn't like some of the lyrics. The lyric that we commonly know that you would often hear towards the end of the song is this. Through the years, we all will be together, if the fates allow. Hang a shining star upon the highest bough. But actually, the original lyrics that were changed, that Frank actually asked him to shift for him, were this. Someday soon, we all will be together, if the Lord allows. Until then, we'll have to muddle through somehow. Frank actually contacted Hugh, and he told him, you know, basically, I'm doing this album called A Jolly Christmas, and here's his line to me. He says, Hugh, do you think you could jolly up that line a little bit for me, right? He says, your line literally talks about just muddling through Christmas. And he's like, I'm singing an album about a jolly Christmas. Could you make it more jolly? And Hugh actually ended up rewriting his song a second time, and he changed it. So it was more about celebrating right now, that it was something that was connected to Christmas. Hang a shining star on the bow, right? This idea of like kind of current celebration. And he shifted it instead of this idea of kind of getting through Christmas. But I think, again, Hugh's original lyric lines up with exactly what so many of us might feel as we come into Christmas. We might be sad and we might feel kind of off because of something that was and is no more. But the other thing that often happens when we get to Christmas is we look around at everyone else celebrating. We look around at everyone else participating. And all of a sudden we can feel mournful, we can feel sad for something that never was. Something that never was. It could be, like I said, first it could be something that was and then disappeared. But we also can just be sad because we hoped for something to come into our life. We expected something to show up, and it didn't. And we can look around, and the spouse that still isn't there, the family that never really happened, maybe even just the dreams that we had for Christmas, the dreams that we planned would come together. They didn't come together. And as we walk into it, all of a sudden, we can feel so down and defeated. The idea of muddling through Christmas, you can be in that situation where you think, I don't really feel it, to be honest with you, because there's, there's so much more that I expected and it doesn't live up to it of what I had hoped for. So I guess I'll just kind of have to put one foot in, the, in front of the other and walk through this Christmas. Whatever that situation might be, you might be in it this Christmas, if one of those two things may be changing your feel of what Christmas is. I think it's okay. But you might find yourself kind of in this confusion because everyone else is getting so joyful. Everyone else is getting so happy. Everyone else is talking about what Christmas is, but that's not what you feel. And you can start to wonder, is there a disconnect between me And this holiday, is there a disconnect between this? Because we start reading about Christmas, right? And I've read this to you the last few weeks. But we read about the announcement of what Christmas is. And it doesn't sound like how we feel. In fact, Luke 2, 8 through 11 is kind of this this picture of the proclamation of what Christmas was. That these angels came and talked to these people. And listen what it says. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them. And the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And we see this proclamation, and we see what the angel says. He says, the news that I'm bringing to you today, it brings great joy. Great joy. It is a moment of great joy. And I really do believe that's the truth. I do believe that the story of Christmas is a story of great joy. And I do wholeheartedly believe that God wants to bring great joy into your Christmas. But then you might be sitting there, or maybe some year down the line you'll be sitting there, thinking, but I don't feel that way. My emotions don't line up with that. I started thinking about that dichotomy of how it, how it sat. But then I reread the story and I thought about it. You know, the angel shows up and he says, this is the, the Savior. This is the Savior of the world. This is the Messiah that we've been waiting for. This is God incarnate. And he says, this moment brings great joy. And these guys are just amazed. And they go in and they see this baby. And wise men travel from far away. And they come to experience this moment. But all that being said, what changed right then? Nothing. The shepherds went and saw this baby, and then they went back to shepherding sheep. Mary and Joseph, right? There's all this lead-up to it, and they have this baby, and it's amazing, right? And you think, oh, great joy, but what happened for Mary and Joseph after that? Nothing changed. They continued to run and hide from people who were trying to murder their child. They were still broke. They were still poor. They were still trying to figure this out. And it's interesting because although it's this moment of great joy, when you actually look at the story, you realize, well, not a lot changed right there in that moment. How is there joy when really a lot of the circumstances didn't shift, a lot of the situation didn't change? And that's what made me realize there's a difference between joy and what we often experience of just levity or happiness. You see, joy is often not built on our current happiness, It's often built on our future hope. Joy is often not built on our current happiness. It's not our current feeling that gives us the idea of joy. Joy is actually built on a future hope. And that is what Christmas did. Christmas was the moment of great hope breaking into the world. And although for these shepherds and for Mary and Joseph, a lot didn't change right there, hope was all of a sudden born, that this is the Messiah, that he will come and as he grows grows up, that he will teach us about who God really is, that he will fulfill the destiny and rescue us and return us back to God. It was the birth of hope here In this world. So when we talk about us having joy, it doesn't mean that our current circumstances shift. It means that a future hope is born inside of us. In fact, Paul described this to the church of Thessalonica, this young church that he had planted. They were dealing with the idea that now, after they had become believers, they were still going through hard times. In fact, they had lost people. And it was kind of that same situation of what was. And is no more. And they were kind of trying to figure out, how do, we, how do we live like this? For us as believers, how should we be responding this way? And listen to what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 4.13. He says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. And here's why. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. What's interesting is we could think that what Paul would say in that moment is he says, I'm going to explain to you the hope that we have. And he says, you know, basically the idea, people have died and they've passed away. And he could have said, so I'm going to explain this to you so that you will not grieve. And that's what so many of us kind of think like Christians are supposed to be, right? Is like, are we supposed to be so like focused on eternity that like we have no sadness at all, right? Like we're just completely like kind of freakishly happy, right? Like a big weird smile painted on our face. And no matter what happens, they're like, well, that must be one of those Christians because you just can't make them sad, right? He says, no, it's not that. I'm not saying that you won't grieve. Notice he doesn't say not that you won't grieve. He says, I'm telling you this so that you won't grieve like those who have no hope. He says, you're still going to grieve. Of course you're still going to be sad. You lose somebody in this world, of course you're still going to be sad. Of course you're still going to feel down. Of course you're you're still going to shed tears. But he says, you're not going to have that same situation like everyone else where you're grieving, but you have no hope. That's the difference. He says, you're going to have this interesting joy that's inside of you because you have a future hope where other people don't. Other people think that was just the end. It's over. It's done. But for you who maybe have had somebody go on, go on from this world, you have this hope of knowing where they are and that you will see them again. In fact, this hope it's important that we understand where this hope comes from and what it is, because I really believe that's the foundation of our joy that we can have, despite any of our current circumstances. And the Apostle Peter describes this hope so perfectly in 1 Peter 1, through 3-6. He says this, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It was by his great mercy that we have been born again because he raised Jesus Christ from the dead. He says, we now have this new life because our Lord Jesus Christ was raised from the dead by God, that he not only just lived, but after he had died, three days later, he rose from death to prove that he had beaten it. He says, now we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance An inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. He said, you have this amazing inheritance, and God's so good, he's not even letting us hold on to it. We could mess it up, or it could be stolen, or it could be changed, or it could rot. He's just being kept safe in heaven, and here's what he says. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So, be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. He says, we have this hope, this deep hope inside of us, because what Christmas was all about was the coming hope that Jesus would bring. That Christmas is so standalone. I don't know if you guys have ever really opened your eyes to a lot of other belief systems, a lot of other religions. But listen, Christmas is like the trademark of Christianity that sets it completely different from everything else. That all other religions basically follow the same path of there is a God, he's good, you're bad, do good things like God, and you might pay off the bad things you did, and he might let you into eternity someday. Basically, all religions follow that same basic pattern And Christianity stands alone, kind of aside, all on its own, of a story that God loved us so much. That we had sin that broke us away from us. And instead of leaving us to it, or giving us a list of rules, or telling us what we should try to do for fix ourselves, God came to earth to rescue us. It is a miraculous story. When people hear the story of Christmas and they realize this is unlike anything else, that God didn't stay in heaven there and say, try your best to become like me. He became like us to rescue us. That he came to earth and lived the perfect life we couldn't live. That when he went to his death, he had no sin so we couldn't die because sin is what caused our separation from God that created death. So at his death, he paid for the sins of the world. And three days later, he came back to life sat down and had breakfast with his disciples, hung out with hundreds of the people who had followed him and told him, I have beaten death and you as well if you follow me and put your trust in me. I have paid for your sin and you will have eternal life after this life as well. And then he entered into heaven. How amazing of a story is that? You see, friends, we have this deep hope that comes from Christmas It's the story of a God. If you ever wonder if God loves you, Christmas is the evidence. The answer is yes. That he didn't stay in heaven, but he came to earth to rescue you because that is how great his love is. So it's a story of hope. And that hope, that future hope, is what brings that great joy. Now still, you might feel sad this Christmas. And you might think, so is that wrong? Is that disjointed from where we are? And I would say no, because here's the the truth. Christmas isn't the story of Jesus coming so that we might never be sad again. Christmas is the story of Jesus coming so that when we have moments of sadness, we also have Jesus. You see, Jesus didn't come to say, you'll never have a problem again. Well, we live in this broken world, of course course we're going to have hard times. Of course, in this world that's still pulled away from God, of course we're still going to have broken hearts. He says, I didn't come so that you would never, ever feel sadness again. He says, I came so that when you felt sadness, you would realize you're not alone. I'm right there with you. And there is a future hope that I bring to you through the story of Christmas You see, God's love gives us joy, not because our current circumstances make us happy, but because we have a future hope that God loves us. He's prepared a place for us, and in fact, he promises in the scriptures that he will continue to work out all things for our benefit. And I'm not taking anything away from the sadness you might currently feel, and I believe Jesus isn't as well, but at the same time, he is saying, I have not forgotten you, I have not forsaken you, and I am taking you forward to something that is still Great. So when it comes to Christmas, and if we walk into it and feel this, this sadness that seems so disjointed, I don't believe that it's evidence that we don't love God. I don't believe it's evidence that we don't have faith. Instead, likely what I think it is, is we've just let our eyes focus in on the wrong thing. We've let our eyes kind of become a little too narrow-focused. That we just look at the moment sitting right in front of us. We look at just the, the season sitting right in front of us. We just look at ourselves and how we feel right there in that moment. And we can get this focus where we just think about how I feel right now. But I think in all reality when we get to Christmas, what we're meant to do is step back and we're meant to look at the big picture instead. When we look at the big picture, we might realize that we're a lot more blessed than we actually think we are. You know, two different people tried to rewrite Hugh Martin's song. Judy Garland asked that some of the first lyrics be changed. Later on, Frank Sinatra asked that some of the later lyrics and some of the ones in between would be changed. And both times, they were trying to fight to make this song seem more Christmassy, right? Like, more like the spirit of Christmas, more merry. Interestingly enough, though, I think even with all the changes they made, you can still kind of feel the tone that's behind in that song. But, In 2011, Hugh Martin decided to rewrite his own song one more time. Almost 80, I mean, excuse me, almost 90 years old, he went back and he repenned the lyrics to his own song one more time, not prompted by a singer, but prompted by his own heart. And I want to play that version of the song for you today.
1: Yourself a blessed little Christmas, Christ the King is born. Let your voices ring upon this happy. Give yourself a blessed little Christmas. Give for all till the end of all our days sing hosannas hymns and hallelujahs as to him we bow make the music i
0: He rewrote his song one last time, this time not prompted by anybody who was singing it, but prompted by his own spirit. He didn't just change a few words to try to make it more happy or more merry. Instead, he finally made a joyful Christmas song by taking and scrapping the entire song and rewriting it, not about himself or about our own experiences, but about the truth that Christmas is about Jesus and the love of our God. A few years later, Hugh went on into eternity, and I believe that he's in his Savior's arms right now today. You see, much better than a Merry Christmas in Hugh's mind was a blessed Christmas. A blessed Christmas, one in which we realize the truth of what Christmas really is and how blessed we truly are. And let me explain to you. What that blessing is because I think we could be confused when we hear the word blessing because it's used in so many different ways in our culture so often. Jesus called people blessed when he was here on earth. But it's really, really interesting what he called blessed. He didn't call people blessed about their finances. He didn't call people blessed about, you know, the idea that they were very talented or anything like that. Every time Jesus called someone blessed that I see in the scriptures, literally every time, He called someone blessed because they understood who he was. They finally grasped that he wasn't just a man, but that he was God. In fact, there was one time that he was teaching. And there was this woman who was kind of, I guess, maybe in the Christmas spirit because she heard Jesus talking and she kind of yelled out out of nowhere. This story is literally two sentences long. And she kind of calls back to that original Christmas moment and the blessing that must be inside of it. But listen how Jesus responds in Luke eleven twenty seven 27 through 28. As he was speaking, a woman in the crowd called out, God bless your mother. The womb from which you came and the breast that nursed you. Basically saying, I can't imagine the blessing of seeing you come into this world. What a blessing that must be. And Jesus replies this way. But even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. He says, you know what's even more blessed is everybody after this, including you and me, that will hear this story and recognize that I I'm the point of Christmas. I am the son of God, and I am the means to connect you back to God. So see, I realize that you might feel sad this Christmas, and that's totally okay. But the reason might be because you have kind of too small of a view of what's going on at Christmas this time. You might just see your your immediate circumstances and just see the situation right now in front of you. But if you step back and look, you might realize that although you are not feeling merry, you are very, very blessed. And that doesn't mean that you have to change your feelings because you don't have to feel merry to realize that you're blessed and that you might not just have a merry Christmas, you might have a blessed Christmas instead, realizing that God in Christmas sent Jesus to come and rescue you, how loved you are, how great a God you have. So if you feel sad this Christmas again, I think it's okay. But I want to tell you that God wants to bring joy to your Christmas. Not joy based on a current happiness, but on a future hope. And the idea that he might bring you something maybe even better than a Merry Christmas this year. That he might change your perspective so you would realize that you would have a blessed Christmas. Would you pray with me just for a second? God, thank you for what a good God you are. Thank you for being so, so amazing that you left heaven to come and to rescue us, to restore our relationship with you, to pay for all of our sin and bring us back into connection with you. And as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I do this because I want you each to just kind of have your space. I don't want you to affect the person next to you. I just want them to have their moment with God. I just want to ask two quick questions. First of all, as you come into this Christmas, are you the person that this Christmas is the Christmas that you kind of feel sad, the Christmas where you kind of feel off, and you kind of felt like, is there something wrong with me, that everyone else seems to be being so happy, and I feel like I'm living in the past, or I'm just kind of muddling through. And if you're in that moment, and this is the season where you kind of feel that, that sadness, I just want to pray for you that God would bring joy. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to count to three if it's you. No one's looking around. You just slip your hand up so I can pray for you. Okay? One, two, three. Go ahead and put up your hands if it's you. Yeah, keep them up for a second. God, you see all these hands of people who would just say, today as I come into Christmas, my heart feels heavy. My heart feels sad. I pray, Jesus, right now that you would just rush into their moment, rush into their Christmas. God, bring them joy that would well up inside of them. Not that you would just change the immediate circumstances so they would feel some sense of happiness, but a deep joy that would come from a truth of understanding that you have a future hope for them, that you have not forgotten them, you have not forsaken them, and you are continuing to walk with them. And you guys can put your hands down and still head bowed, eyes closed for just a second. If there's anybody here that you don't have that connection to God, you didn't realize that the reason why Jesus came wasn't just to start a religion, it was actually to rescue you from any of the failures and flaws in your history, to restore that connection with God, that God loved you that much, that that's why Christmas happened, was to save you and bring you back to himself. And you might not have everything figured out about your faith, but you just want to take a step of faith in that direction and say, I want to invite that good God into my life. I want to put this life kind of into his hands and say, God, if you are that loving, if you are that good, could I put my life in your hands and could you help guide where I go from here? That I could put some of my trust in you and start seeing how trustworthy you truly are. And if it's you, you can kind of feel it's you this morning, but if you want to take that step for the first time or the first time in a very long time, I'm just going to count to three, and you do the same thing. Shoot up your hands. One, two, three. Go ahead and shoot up your hands if it's you. Yeah, go ahead, keep them up for a second. Yeah, you see this? Yeah, anyone else this morning? It's never too late. You can put your hands down. And we're just going to pray a simple prayer. For you who want to pray this prayer for the first time, for any of you who have prayed this prayer before, would you join in with them just to pray this simple prayer that would guide our heart? Pray, Lord Jesus I'm sorry for my sin. Thank you for dying in my place. Please become the king of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you so much for you who took that step. I believe God is going to do great work inside of you. Absolutely. It's awesome. It is amazing. Today, he's going to begin doing work inside of you and that you can trust. For the rest of you, I pray that this season, whether it's this year for you or whether it's a future year, that you would be set with the mindset of realizing that you can have a blessed Christmas, even if it's not a merry Christmas. And of course, I'd love to invite you to come back next week as we wrap up the series and we look at the movie Elf. Have yourself a blessed little Christmas.